see so many familiar faces. Thank you for joining us. Um, I think Carl and I have been talking about this topic a lot of times and in depth, and I think this is going to be a really exciting conversation. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. That's one of the, the, the things that I've enjoyed most about getting involved in Web3 is the communication and connection with other artists, which we were kind of just talking about. And I really think that the launching of an NFT collection kind of can become almost an art form in and of itself. There's a lot of work that goes into it and a lot of creativity and planning and networking and uh, technological understanding. So I think it's kind of cool we're able to, as artists, develop this art form in a way that hopefully as more and more people join the space, they can look to us as examples of how can you go from perhaps having like a very small following and not many connections and having a difficult time getting in front of collectors to actually selling NFTs to other people in the space and having them see and recognize your value and what you have to provide to the ecosystem, whether that's through some kind of utility or just based purely on the fact that you're creating beautiful art. It's kind of about how can I get my stuff? How can I get my art shown to people? And I think that that's a question that a lot of people struggle with when they first enter the space or they take a break. Maybe they've been on vacation for a while and then they come back and their engagement is low. So we're going to kind of talk through the different aspects of what we found helpful when launching a collection, all of the things that I took into consideration, the ideas that Julia and I bounced back and forth off each other. And then we can talk about also the mental health that's involved with launching something and putting yourself out there and actually dealing with minting something on the blockchain. Like that's a, if, if you haven't done that and you're, you're just getting involved, that's a pretty stressful scenario. Um, not that it's too complicated, but it just feels very permanent. Yeah, I mean, already I remember just when I entered the space, like there were so many things that were overwhelming. And I think one of the nice things about kind of waiting and watching everyone else do it is like a great case study. Like every person that mints a collection or puts out some NFTs, it's, yeah, it's kind of like a case study and you can see what they did differently in, in different ways and you can learn so much and by just watching what other people do and then you know reaching out and asking about how they did it or how, how it went for them and I think one thing that's really cool when you when you're kind of late quote-unquote in the space at least that was for me because I was just able to see what is every has everybody else done um, can I do it differently or do I want to do it differently and I think that's the nice thing that um, there's no rules and everybody is kind of open to do what they want to do but at the same time i feel like sometimes it's easier to stick to a pattern that has worked for other people and then just figure out along the way how can i make it better next time or what do i want to do uh improve so yeah yeah i completely agree i think you brought up a couple of good points there the first is what you were saying about oh am i late right everyone else has done this before me look at their experts now i'm i'm so far behind and that's definitely not the case. There's so much space here, right? The, the Web3 ecosystem compared to the size of the internet is still so small at this point. There are going to be so many people that are joining this space in the next wave. So figuring out how to launch your collection, how to identify your personal brand and how to begin promoting yourself as an artist, I think is a really valuable skill. Marketing, of course, is going to play a huge role in that, though I know that gets a lot of uh, flack often from artists but it is a very important aspect 
But Julia, I was wondering, so how long do you think that you waited before you launched your collection, which I know you launched uh, earlier this week, and I personally loved and thought was really, really well done. So I would love to know what went into the thought process behind it, because it is such a detailed and emotional and well put together collection. So yeah, how long were you waiting? And I guess kind of what are you, what jumped out at you throughout this process? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, and um, I almost want to say that the process has obviously was started before even getting into NFTs because I feel like there's this whole journey as an artist that you go through in figuring out your style and um, you know all these different things like becoming a better artist along the way, and um, I think from simply kind of being um, not necessarily stressed out, but just yeah, I just had enough of, of the whole, how Instagram was, was the, the direction it was taking. And I think just coming over to Twitter just opened a different world for me. And um, like, I've seen, you know, some people jump into it and, and go head first and mint something. And, and most of the people that I talked to, they, they were like, I would probably go back and then do it differently. So a lot of people were saying like, take your time. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna take my time. <laughs> and then I, I did. And uh, yeah, I think the idea for this um, already came like in earlier in in this in in the year. But um, I remember you were always talking about how important smart contracts are. And I know that you waited for that as well, that foundation accepted smart contracts. So I think they did that in June or July when, when you launched your collection. And um, yeah, I wasn't necessarily too active around that time because I've been working on the on the film with Emilia and then just I think summer was just I just took a break from social media in general so yeah I guess like September when I came back I knew like I, I needed to get the momentum going because I don't just want to show up and be like here's a collection really cares so yeah it's been great to jump back in and um, host spaces with, with Julio for example and um, just yeah I, I realized that it was a, a different time when I kind of came back compared to uh, the beginning of the year just with the bear market and a lot of people have left but that didn't really stop me from doing it because I've been wanting to release something for such a long time I'm really really happy that it's finally out there but yeah I would love to to hear your kind of journey and your thoughts about um, launching your collection back in June or July yeah it was in at the beginning of July um, yeah I, I love that story that you just shared I like that you had the beginning of your idea before you ever even joined Twitter. Like there was something that you knew that you wanted to do as an artist with the Dolomites for a more deliberate collection like this. And then Twitter and Web3 and smart contracts and NFTs kind of became the medium by which you could express this Genesis idea right at the beginning. And I think that's kind of very much how I felt as well. Like I had an idea for my Genesis um, I knew I wanted to do some kind of animation with my time-lapse photography, something to do with kind of like bringing light to the darkness and taking frames from the time-lapse that had light in it and then animating it in a relaxing way so it could be forming a, a type of mindful art. Um, so I had that idea a couple of years ago, actually, and I don't know what it was exactly, but when I popped on the NFT Twitter and I kind of saw people sharing things, I saw Ben Strauss share his transient collection, which is one that was a dynamic NFT that changed with time. And when I saw that and saw a couple other people, I was just like, oh, okay, this is it. I've been kind of waiting for as a technology to enable my vision as an artist for what I want to share. 
And a lot of that had to do with understanding smart contracts. So like you, I waited a while. I kind of immersed myself in the space, learned about the culture, learned about what was going on. Uh, I got a bit caught up in the PFP craze that was happening, um, which maybe sidetracked me a little bit from from the art. But <laughs> maybe the, the main thing, I think, though, was figuring out how did I want to piece together this concept, this idea that I had had for so long and put it together in a way that really, I think, conveyed the depth of what I was trying to share as an artist. And that took a lot of time to put together the story. It took a few months. Um, the whole time I was watching people in the space, like you were saying, figuring out what they did, figuring out how I could do something a little bit different. Really, I think just learning what works and what didn't too. A lot of people would release a collection and then nothing would happen for months and months. And that's not to say that you should instantly have a sale. Like it just depends if you happen to get your work in front of the right collector. So there's definitely an element of luck. Um, but I started to notice trends about what people were doing to launch their collection that tended to lead them to, I think, quicker sales and more success. So yeah, I'm excited to get going more into depth on that aspect too. But yeah, I think I ended up waiting. Foundation, let's see, Manifold came out in December of 2021 that it was open for everyone to use. And I, when I saw that, I was like, okay, awesome. I've been waiting for a way to decentralize my work, not have to mint on to uh, like OB. I didn't, I was, I'm not accepted to super rare, so I couldn't go there, even though everyone was hyping it up. And I mean, it's still pretty hyped. And foundation, I had an invite or I received one soon after that, because that was back when it was invite only. And then foundation didn't accept manifold contracts at the time. So it was still minting under the shared contract. And by that point, I was pretty convinced that Manifold was going to be the future of independent creation in the Web3 space. So I kind of just took that time to keep working on my story, keep finessing the art, and really just try and make something that I was really proud of and have it completely ready to go, or so I thought, uh, before I wanted to, to launch and mint it to the blockchain. Um, though I wish that I had looked into it a little bit more. So I guess kind of on that note, yeah, I don't know if you have anything to add, but what did you think about the, the minting process? Yeah, um, I mean, for me, the, the minting process was fairly easy because I was watching the tutorials that you did on YouTube on how to mint your smart contract and, and how to mint your NFTs on the on the contract. So um, for, for anyone who wants to check them out, they're really, really easy to follow, um, obviously. And, um, and yeah, so that was a, a huge, huge help for me just to have someone do it in front of me. And I was just like, okay. And then... Um, yeah, I, actually, the first time that I I minted my my first contract, there's there were a few issues that happened, and then I was like uh, kind of annoyed at the beginning, but then um, I was I just talked to you, and and you were um, just so helpful in in navigating that, and so yeah, I really appreciate that you that you kind of did it all before me, so I could just um, go and ask questions and stuff, and um, yeah, I, I actually have a, a question to you, like because I think for me since it's so knew that I just launched my my Genesis a few days ago. It, I don't really know if I can answer this question, but for you, would you do something differently now looking back on launching your first um, NFTs? Mm, that, that's a great question. Um, I guess, first of all, I'm happy that the, the videos really helped. That's kind of, to me, Manifold is, I mean, I'm not in any way affiliated with them, but I think that their motto of the creator is the platform is such a cool concept and really why I joined Web3. 
Uh, so I wanted to figure out a way to kind of help people because I know that it's confusing. Um, I guess in terms of what I would do differently, I, I think I did a pretty good job, honestly, of kind of building a community and really getting to know people in the space. So I'm really happy with how that worked. Um, I think taking the, that extra like six months or so, not that that's necessary by any means, but I just made some really cool connections. I made a lot of friends and made the whole process that much better because then when I was sharing the NFTs, it was not just putting it out for me to try and sell something necessarily. It was also sharing this cool concept with a lot of people that I had resonated with. So that was something that I, I was really happy with how uh, my launch went. Something that I probably would have started to look into a little bit earlier was pricing um, because I was stressing about that even up to like two days before the launch. It was something that because I had waited so long to the space changed so much. There was so much fluctuation in what was an acceptable price to list something or at least when you're comparing yourself to someone else trying to figure out what that price should be. So that that was kind of an interesting thing to try and figure out. And I ended up releasing for half an ETH, and I was pretty happy with that. I had thought about doing a little bit more just because of just the sheer amount of work that went into creating these. Um, like I had to go to uh, take the time lapse, learn how to edit, learn how to animate, do all the research on psychology and the science of breathing. And there was just so much mindfulness too that I, I put into that. Um, so I was, I was happy with that price. But in terms of the actual minting process and what I would have done differently, I would have tried to mint my NFT earlier and then just list it when I was ready to have my drop. Because when I went to go mint it, that's when I realized, oh, it can't be larger than 50 megabytes because Foundation doesn't display that. So I had to, like the day before I was planning on minting, try to figure out uh, different compression algorithms on how to reduce the size of the file that I was minting, but not lose any of the resolution of it. And kind of along those lines too, try and figure out how did I want to share it to Twitter? Like the the only way really that someone's going to make a sale aside from someone just like happening to come across it on a, a, a platform like foundation is sharing it on twitter or sharing it with people in a way that they can grasp the the value that's trying to be presented by that nft and because mine moved i had to figure out how to convey a video in an easy form that also didn't destroy the, the resolution of it so not only did i have to try and figure out compression for foundation so that i could actually mint it in a way that got it displayed but also to figure out how to uh, create a GIF or a GIF, however you want to call it, and share that to Twitter without having it just look horrible, um, which was something that I hadn't really thought about all that much because I knew Twitter's algorithm for video, like I've shared time lapses and they just don't look good. Um, but I figured with such a small file and something that was just changing between a couple frames that it wouldn't be so bad, but originally it looked horrible. So then I had to like learn compression in Photoshop and figure out how to export it as a GIF. And that was just a lot of unnecessary stress that if I had realized I needed to figure out the logistics of the actual imaging and, and video itself, then I probably wouldn't have uh, worried so much the day before my launch. So I ended up actually pushing it back a week. Like I had just been, and this is actually a helpful point to note too, I had announced that it was coming soon, but I hadn't announced the specific date of it yet. And I didn't want to announce the specific date of it yet until I had it minted because I wasn't sure if I was going to run into any problems or not understand how to use the smart contract properly or how to use Manifold properly. So I'm glad that I also didn't announce uh, my date until I actually had it minted and ready to go, because I think that helped reduce a lot of stress for me. But yeah, I don't know if you want to respond, otherwise I have the same question for you. 
Yeah, honestly, there's uh, there's no rule that says that you have to mint the day that you launch. And I think that's a, a great, um, great point that you should just mint before you launch. And like, um, obviously, when you have like, um, when you're more established in the space, it might be that people can already see it, obviously. So maybe you don't necessarily want that. But, you know, for me, since it was my my first my first pieces, I also minted the day before just so I was sure that everything was was going to be be right and yeah i'm i'm also sorry to hear that it was kind of stressful for you um but i think you go through that once and then you learn from it so i guess it's always a positive experience and um yeah with the whole video question thing i'm i'm kind of worried about that as well because obviously i want to share um, my film on twitter as well but i probably will end up just sharing like a a shorter version and then people can go to vimeo to watch the full thing because i don't think there's a point to to post a five minute video on on Twitter and, you know, it, it's better to watch it on a desktop anyway. So I just hope that it can kind of grab the attention of people and then they go watch it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, as I said, like, I don't think that I would do anything differently right now in the moment. Like I'm pretty happy with how it went. Um, I'm, I was really excited about hosting the space, like the drop party. And that was really good too kind of tell my story to, to everyone like vocally, although I obviously have it on my Twitter as well, but that was just like um, nerve wracking, but at the same time, very, a very beautiful experience to share that with everyone. Um, but yeah, as I said, I, I don't think I would do anything differently right now since it's so fresh, but who knows, you can ask me this question in like five or six months. Yeah, that's completely fair. I, I know it's... Uh... I feel like you're still kind of in the wave of the initial drop and actually bringing up the drop party. I, that's a great point. I thoroughly enjoyed attending your drop party. I thought you did an excellent job hosting it and conveying your story and really bringing in members of your community to ask questions and just chat about your art and chat about other things that they've considered. It was a, it was a really nice space to attend. And maybe that's actually something I would have done differently because I didn't host a drop party because they're released in the summer. I think a lot of people were on vacation and weren't really around and I didn't really uh, think about like organizing a drop party probably because I was also trying to figure out the smart contract and figure out the minting so the party aspect uh, kind of went to the wayside so I, I would have liked to do that and I mean I might still do one at some point in the future I feel like I kind of just started going into different spaces to try and talk about my work um, like I would attend the different photography spaces or the different mindful spaces or anytime someone was talking about social media which I know has become more and more relevant lately um, as a side note, I'm happy that we still have Twitter. I don't know who was following along last night when there was all this panic that Twitter was going to die. Um, but I mean, I, I don't think it's going to die. I think that's just Elon messing with everyone, but who knows? Um, but like part of why I created my collection was to help people improve their attention span. And that to me kind of inherently brings in social media and moving away from a Web2 mentality. So I guess I didn't have like a dedicated drop party, but I did make very intentional effort to join spaces where I could talk about action, but not talk about it in like a shilling way. More just like, oh, if anyone's struggling with mental health or mindfulness issues, or uh, is finding that their attention span is slipping, you can try and watch my art and maybe that will improve your attention span. I had no expectation that people would buy it at that point. It was just, uh, here's a resource that someone can make use of for free if they want to. And that I think as a, a marketing tactic, if it, if it is that, it felt a lot more genuine for me to talk about the project 
in a way that wasn't just like trying to shill constantly. I don't know if anyone's attended shill threads um, there or shill spaces. Like they're great, but it it's uh, it's a different vibe than when you're just having a conversation with someone about your art. Um, not to say that they're bad by any means, but I I just I like those styles of kind of fluid conversation about projects a little bit more. Um, yeah. Oh, and I just one note: if anyone is looking to compress their videos, I used software called Handbrake. It worked really well and it was super easy. And I could actually keep it at like zero resolution loss and compress it to below fifty megabytes. So I was really happy with that. And oh, one other thing you said too. I mean, that's something I've been trying to think about. How do I encourage people to watch my NFTs on larger screens? Because I can do everything possible to try and share it on Twitter. I found personally that GIFs work a lot, like so much better than video. Um, the algorithm doesn't suppress GIFs as much as it does video. Um, but in order to share a GIF, it has to be less than 15 megabytes. So you are going to have to deal with some compression. But I think because it just loops constantly, it ends up performing better. Uh, because then you end up getting a lot of watch time, which for those who don't know, Watch time is typically the number one metric that all social media will use in terms of determining if your content is worth sharing with more people. Um, like on TikTok, for example, you can just click in and see watch time. And that's basically the only thing it tells you in terms of is your content performing well, um, which is also, as a side note, why sharing is one of the most important ways that you can help your fellow artists. Because as soon as you share something, you then are putting it in front of someone else where they might even have just a couple more seconds of watch time but that's going to be more than they would have had if it just stayed in the feed. And that little bit shared by many people can have a huge impact on the performance of your social media. Um, but yeah, back to the screen size. That's still something I'm struggling with. Um, to be honest, I think it's probably why my second piece hasn't sold, even though my first and my third one sold within the first week. And I think it's because it's a lot more of a subtle movement, um, which looking at my phone, I don't blame people for not going on and taking a deeper look at it because you can't really tell that something's moving. But when I pull it up on my computer or on my TV, then I can see it that has that, that depth and that subtle nuance to the movement. And I mean, it relaxes me a lot. So that's something I'm trying to figure out how to do more. How do we encourage people to view some of this art, which we've as photographers or animators generally worked so hard to create really high quality art. And a lot of that like depth of quality is kind of lost looking at your phone, which has a 1080p resolution and is like five inches big. So, yeah, I don't know if you have thoughts on that too, Julia. I know you're talking about figuring out how to share your film, and I agree, I think it's a difficult thing to do. You can direct people to YouTube, but 90 or 80% of people, I think, 80, 78 or something like that, use YouTube on their phones, so you kind of end up with the same issue. Yeah, I think to, to that point, I just have to add it everywhere, just like, please watch it on your desktop with headphones if possible, um, and just hope people do it. Um, so I hope that the people who are really excited about watching it and have been waiting to see it, they're going to go on their desktop to watch it. And even if they don't, they end up watching it on their phone, you know, I, I think it's still like beautiful to, to watch on your phone. So, yeah, um, I wanted to touch on a few points that you made. I think the 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 point you brought up about watch time and the GIFs, GIFs, whatever it's called. Um, that's a great point, but I, I think that probably just works animations or things that are shorter. Um, doesn't really necessarily work when you have like a, a full video. So yeah, I guess I'll, I'll have to figure out how I'm going to do that. Um, but you brought up the, the point of, um, the, the drop parties being kind of like a, a great way to, to market your, your collection or drops, whatever you're, you're dropping. <laughs> 
Um, like I think for me personally, I feel like whenever someone who, um, you know, I enjoy their art, uh, is doing a drop party, I really, really try to attend it because you just get so much more information out of it and you really hear the artists talk about their work in such a passionate way. And I think that adds so much more value to the listeners and, um, and I think that's why drop parties are, are an amazing thing. And yeah, I'm sorry that you couldn't, that you didn't have one, but we're going to make sure that you're going to have them in the, for your future drops. And I'll be gladly there to support you. Um, and yeah, the, the point that you brought up about chatting in other spaces about your work is super important. Um, and not even doing it in like a, like maybe not even mentioning it about your, your drops or your, or your collections and just attending the space and adding to the conversation. And I think that's already a lot of value and, and often doing it in that way, I think it's a much more healthier way. Like I, um, went to a few of the shill spaces and it was really, really hectic. Like I didn't really love the vibe. Um, and often it was also completely different art from what I wanted to share. So I, I just didn't really feel welcome, not necessarily welcome, but I just didn't feel like I fit into that. And I know like that's kind of like an excuse, but I just didn't really feel the vibe, but I'm definitely um, going to try. But yeah, I'm, I don't know. I don't know if it has been different in the past because I haven't really attended any show spaces in the past. So yeah, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. Yeah. So actually something you were saying there, um, one of my friends has a phrase that he likes to repeat all the time and it's closed mouth, don't get fed. Uh, which I think is a hilarious phrase, but from a marketing standpoint, it's super true, right? Like if you don't put your work out there, if you don't get your work in front of people, no one's ever going to buy it and no one is going to market for you, right? Like it's up to you to be that driving force behind your art. You can try and develop this community of friends and uh, almost like colleagues in a way and collectors and just people that you vibe with and encourage them to share your work by the way that you enter with them not necessarily like asking them to though actually the the greatest success that i had from anything basically across all of twitter was sending my collection to someone and having them retweet it and that resulted in two sales so that was just the biggest thing and the, the person that i sent it to i mean it was uh d's and he had he was the one that invited me to foundation to try and get uh, more astro on there which actually wrote the story behind that on my blog if people are interested in, um, because I think it's a good example of kind of just building friendships in the space and how that can lead to sales. It, it was a really cool experience. Um, and he retweeted it, and then Sinister Gates saw his his retweet and then bought it within like an hour or two hours of my drop, which was awesome and super surprising. And then um, I had someone else that commented on that first tweet, uh, Elric, is a... Uh, just a great guy in the space too. I don't know if anyone's come across him. He works for Evo Labs now, one of the AI art generators, um, and just doing awesome work in the space. But he had seen that work and was stressed out uh, a couple days later and remembered that I had mentioned that it could help reduce anxiety. So he was having a panic attack. And then he, I have his permission to share this, by the way. Um, and he then remembered that he had seen my art earlier in the week. And he went to go watch it and pulled it up and it stopped his panic attack. And that was just like such a cool feeling as an artist to have this thing that I created trying to help people with mental health and trying to help people with anxiety and have it resonate with them so strongly that it uh, actually could bring them into the moment, which is a, a large part of what I'm trying to do with mindful art. 
And the reason I'm sharing all this is because a lot of it had to do with the fact that I shared that tweet, my original collection, to D's. And if I hadn't done that, I hadn't put myself out there and talked to this guy again, that it had been like six months or something since he had invited me, um, nothing would have happened. So shill spaces, I, I know for sure that they are, uh, they can be difficult, I think, like you're saying, to find a consistent style. And that makes it difficult to find a collector base that's within a shill space that would be interested in your work versus someone else's, as opposed to kind of just getting like the smorgasbord of art that maybe most of it they don't resonate with. But at the same time, I think it is really valuable to, to, to practice talking about it. And maybe that's where I see the, the biggest benefit to attending those shill spaces. Like back when I started on NFT Twitter, I was uh, going into GM where the photographers um, with Para, Paul, and Josh. And I, it was like, those are my first spaces that I was talking in. And it was super nerve wracking. Like I, <laughs> I would get so nervous getting up on stage in front of like 100 people and just chatting. But great practice to learn to talk about my story and talk about my work. And I think that's kind of what I was saying too with your drop party. You, I don't think, needed to necessarily go into those shill spaces because you're so good at talking about your story and explaining the emotion behind it because you've done so much of that self-reflection and added all of that emotion up front into the collection that talking about it maybe wasn't like easier from an emotional standpoint, but it was from a, I'm standing in front of people talking about this publicly. What do I say? It's like, no, okay, I've already, I've taken the time to think about what I want to say and the, the depths that I want to convey to people. So, and actually on that note too, I, I can't remember if you recorded your space or not, but what I've been thinking is that, okay, cool. Um, like those drop parties, when you host a drop party like that, even if no one comes, like even if it's, it's one or two people or you have like three of your friends there, if you record it, you can just take a clip of that recording of you talking passionately about your new drop that you've done. And then you can share that anywhere. You can put it on YouTube. You can put it on your website. You can take clips of it and share it to Twitter. You can share your collection and then uh, add another tweet below your collection with a video that it says, hey, collectors, if you're resonating with the visual, here's me actually telling my story to you. And I think that that's why spaces are such a powerful way to facilitate sales because you end up having this understanding and resonance with a creator, with an artist in a way that you can really tell that they're being authentic and passionate about their work. And I've been in so many spaces. Um, Schiller does a good series of them with Bernardo and Fungible. And they are just like, wow, like I saw your art before, but now that you came up here and told us about your art, I have such a deeper appreciation for what you've put together here. And that's when I think we start to get into more sales through spaces. And a lot of that has to do with just practicing uh, sharing yourself and putting yourself in front of people. Uh, keep your mouth open. Yeah, I think that that personal connect connection that you can build by simply talking about your work is probably the most valuable thing that you can get out of it. And that's why I, I always keep saying how great spaces are, like just connecting with other people, because I don't think that I would have such a good relationship with so many people here in the space if it wasn't for spaces. And, you know, you can really hear their voice and, and hear like how they're feeling. And I, I honestly love that. And yeah, you brought up so many great points and I don't really want to to like repeat everything because otherwise we'll just be kind of, uh, you know, talking in, in circles. But I think uh, another um, point that would be interesting to, to talk about is like the whole mental health aspect about like launching these um collections and nfts because i think as an artist there are always these um 
points in your lives or at least like, you know, I'm speaking kind of a, a personal um, experience where you get this imposter syndrome and you doubt your work. And I mean, I think everybody has a different relationship with that. Um, like some people are perfectionists and they, they want everything to be perfect before they put it out there. Other people do it all and they just, you know, just and then, and you know, I, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do that. But I think for me, um, like I definitely have struggled with like self-doubt about my work, not necessarily from like a, a visual standpoint, but like in the past, whenever there were periods where I didn't get necessarily like any good jobs, I was like, what is wrong with my art? You know, and, and you really start self-reflecting and, and it's sometimes difficult to get out of that by yourself. And so it's it's really nice sometimes to have someone to talk about it and yeah i i mean for me going into launching these nfts like i i went into it without having any expectations for it because i don't really rely on um making a living with nfts because i still have um you know plenty of work that i do outside of this space so i'm you know happy to to wait and uh, see what happens but i know that some people um, you know, they don't have any other option and this is their only way that they can rely on making money. So I think this is a, a really difficult, um, like place to be in when you don't really know, like when, when is my work going to sell and is it going to sell? And there's so many self doubts that you inflict on yourself. But I think the thing that we always have to remember is that, you know, it's your art and you have to value it. And if you love the, the work that you put out there then you're already winning because, you know, if you like what you're doing, if you like the the art that you're putting out, then that's like the most important part. And I think that eventually someone will come along and, and connect with that. And for some, this might be um, a longer journey, but I think it's always going to be worth it in the end. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Those are some great points um, on the imposter syndrome side of things. I, I think it is something that almost every artist face in some way or another um like for myself i i know that my astro photos are high quality so i don't face imposter syndrome over that but that was also a journey that i had to build and like learn to value my own skills um so i'm comfortable saying that now and a lot of that comes from the feedback i've gotten from friends and people and uh, experts in the space but then i face imposter syndrome in other ways um for me it probably has to do more with writing uh trying to convey all these complex ideas i have and simplify them and put them in a way that other people are actually going to take the time to read. So that's been a, a large journey for me and the storytelling aspect. Um, as a quick tangent, I don't know uh, if I mentioned this before, I don't think so, but before I launched my collection, I actually took a creative writing course on YouTube with Brandon Sanderson, who's a fantasy author, and he had an incredible uh, just summary. It was done through a university, but it's for free on YouTube, and I just learned so much about storytelling. And that actually helped me with my imposter syndrome of telling my story to people and building that story into my collection. So I think everyone in some way faces imposter syndrome. It just requires some self-reflection, like you're saying, talking to other people to figure out where is kind of the core of that imposter syndrome and how can I deal with it in a healthy way. And that's something that just takes time and effort and practice. Um, but when I'm talking to other people that I know that have creative aspects and I can see their they struggle to see it themselves a large reason that they don't take that plunge is because they ask the question like oh but so many people have this so many people do this Lee like why is someone going to care about my art why is someone going to care about what I do like why would someone else value this at all 
And I think that's the wrong question to ask because it, it's something like 98% of people are consumers of content and 2% of people create. If you're in that 2% of people that are creating, you're going to be in the very, very small minority of people that are uh, actually bringing life to ideas, creating something out of nothing, um, which actually is, I think, partially why Cass Simard's new collection is from, I think it's called From Nowhere to Somewhere or From Not Something, something like that. Um, and I think that's such a cool uh, description of the creative process. So my answer to that, when people say, oh, but why are they going to care about my thing, right? Like this thing I'm passionate about, but am nervous to share with people. And I say, that's up to you. Teach them. Why should they care? And this is where I think a lot of people struggle to figure that out and don't recognize the amount of hard work that goes into getting your work in front of people and getting feedback from people and figuring out what they like and how to share your work in a way that doesn't compromise your values and compromise on the quality that you're putting out there. And so that, that's just one aspect I would say to anyone struggling with imposter syndrome. Just start putting your work out there. Don't care about how it performs. That's not the point. The point isn't to see what other people think. The point is to see how can I put this out there in a way that feels kind of effortless and genuine myself. Because if you can figure that genuineness out yourself before putting the pressure of sales on onto yourself, you're going to have, I think, a much healthier relationship with the creation process. Um, but that's also something that will always have to be reevaluated constantly um, because there are so many different ways to put out your art. There's different platforms. There's different things to learn. But if you're ever feeling like overwhelmed or just can feel the imposter syndrome creeping up again, uh, go take a walk, leave your phone at home, go try and take a, a disconnected from social media break and just be with yourself for a little while and try and figure out how you can re-attain that uh, value and how you would like to share it with people. And I guess kind of on that note too, Julia, you made a good point about why why is someone selling NFTs? Is it because they need the income? Like this is what they're using to base their living off of? Or is it kind of bonus money and they make their living elsewhere? Or something in between, right? Like everyone is going to be in a different financial situation. And I think that's something that most people understand. Um, some people might uh, judge artists for putting out too many works at too low of a price, for example. And that's that's a difficult balance. I'm not no by no means an expert um, that it's important to consider that I know scarcity is also a huge, huge topic that gets brought up a lot. And I guess for people that are trying to create a lot at low prices, I mean, my opinion is that it's probably better done as additions if possible. And then whenever you build up your ability to um, have NFTs be more bonus money or you've built up your community to the point where you now have some solid collectors that maybe would be interested in spending more on your work, then you can start dropping some one of ones that are at a higher price and start to build that like floor. Um, but I also don't really like recommending to people to think about the floor because the point is not what other people think. The point is what you think and how you want to value that. And that's kind of where I think the one of ones versus editions versus open editions are all just very strategic tools that you can use as an artist to begin generating income in a way that is helpful to you to get you to that next stage where maybe art can be your sole income source or NFTs can perhaps be your sole income source. Um, but th that's a long journey. Like, I mean, I'm nowhere close to that. And I think that's probably a couple of years out. But I have that vision in mind that NFTs could be the sole source of income or I could go travel somewhere and then make an NFT collection based off that travel and then have the NFT sales pay for the whole trip. So I kind of view NFTs as doing something that can add another level of value to my life in some way. 
whether that's like paying down debt or buying something that I really want or getting a new computer or just something that's going to improve my artistic journey. Um, but for people that are relying on this as a source of income, I personally can't relate because I have a full-time job, um, which is difficult on its own in a completely different way. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I would, I've been thinking about this a lot. I was talking to Giga Chad Pepe in a, a, a conversation with uh, May the other day. And it's such a interesting topic, scarcity, because everyone talks about it all the time. And there's a reason it's so complicated. But I think what's really important to remember is that when we're dealing with NFTs, we're taking something that is infinite, like posting to Instagram where anyone can screenshot your work. Anyone can go on your website and right click save your work. And now we have an NFT that can't be screenshot. It can't be taken by any means. So we've inherently added a level of like scarcity down from infinite. And that is such a powerful tool. And how each artist wants to use that tool is going to completely depend on their own financial situation. Um, but remembering that the scarcity is like inherently built into the technology itself. Unless, of course, you have a perpetual open edition. That's another conversation, I think. Um, and one that people were trying to solve. It's, it's kind of like a paradox because um, effectively, if you have an open edition that lasts forever, then at some point people are going to start dumping your work on secondary when they no longer vibe with it or they were trying to sell it for more and they realize that they need to perhaps get some tax uh, savings for the end of the year. So then they will list their your work for lower than the min price of the open edition. And if you kind of extend that timeline to infinity, like a year, two years, three years, four years, whatever it is, odds are the value of the collection will probably go to close to zero. So building in some level of scarcity does help retain that value in the collection. But there are other things to consider. Like as long as the marketplace that you're selling on obeys and respects royalties, then even if this secondary collection goes to zero over time, you as an artist will still have made a bunch of money on royalties. So maybe that is kind of what you're dealing with. And you're not necessarily thinking about it for uh, like long-term holding of value. And I, I, I could talk about this for a very long time, I think, because it's such a complicated topic. But I think really what I'm trying to get at is we have the art form of the drop mechanic of NFTs, right? Think about Alpha Centauri Kid, the way he does his performance art, where he releases things and then changes them and just completely messes with his community. And it's awesome. It was so fun to partake in his open edition. Um, and that had extra value in and of itself. I wasn't part of it because I was trying to think on how to sell this thing on secondary. It was to be kind of along for the ride on uh, this performance art piece. So however you want to drop your collection and start building that collector base and start resonating with other people in the space, beginning to create your collection of true fans in like the original concept of the 1000 true fans, um, like someone who is willing to pay for your work. It, it's completely up to you. I just caution people to think not just how am I going to make uh, an ETH now, though, of course, that's one option. But what's the bigger picture with what I'm trying to do here? How am I going to extend this a year or two years or three years? Because the us, I think, that are here, especially now in this bear market, are here for the long run because we believe in the technology and we believe that this is a better future for artists. So if you can expand your timeline a little bit and yeah, take a look at the bigger picture that you're trying to create, how does each drop fit in with that? Um, and yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on this too. Yeah, I mean, you brought up so many great points, and I think it's definitely something very complex to talk about. 
Um, but uh, I think the thing that I'm really excited about is kind of how we're going to be moving forward and how and, and seeing how people are going to be thinking outside of the box, because I think that's always something that in the beginning, it might be a bit scary to do something that is not in the norm of what everybody has been doing before. Um, but I think it's going to be super rewarding and 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 um, and yeah, to the to the topic of, of scarcity, that's another um yeah, com- a complex topic because as we were talking about, like everybody is in a different position, and you know, as long as you do the 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 things that you do for the reason that you know that that you know why you do them, then everything's fine. You know, if if you're doing something that benefits you and doesn't harm anyone else, then you should always do it and and go after that whatever it is. And if you know, in the long run, you're gonna figure out if it was a good idea or not. And you're gonna learn from it um you know regardless and yeah um what else i'm not really sure um call if Actually, you have one no go ahead one, one more point to add for a second um i completely forgot about this but i thought it was such a cool topic um yeah sorry to interrupt um so i think it was bryn elise shared some thoughts on artists retaining some of their art for the long run and this is something that Punk 6529 has talked about. This is kind of what different, uh, like the Nouns DAO has done. Um, for the Nouns DAO, when a noun is released, they release one a day at an auction. And they've been doing that for like 360 days or something now. So they release one every single day. And that inherently has like a slow uh, release of the art. And of course, that's a different thing because it's a PFP. But what Bryn was talking about is minting her favorite pieces for her children in like three or four years for them to have it long term. And I thought that was a cool way to think about it. Um, and I know who else, ex, uh, ex-lawyer has talked about this a bit too. Like you can move things that you've minted. If they're not selling, you can move it to your hardware wallet, to your vault, and then try and sell it again in a year or two if you want. And it'll have that uh, historical relevance to your collection. So if you're releasing an edition, for example, and you don't want to like flood the market, but you really want to put out like 100 pieces or a large amount. I mean, you could start by releasing 25 from the collection and then in six months, release another 25. Like the the way that people can think about scarcity can also be delayed with time so that the market isn't flooded with anything at a particular moment. And I think that's a really cool way to think about um, releasing your art in a way that doesn't like destroy that scarcity, uh, kind of, um, but also gives you the flexibility to Let's say you start taking off and all of a sudden you're really high value. You do want to give some to your family. And maybe that is some form of like generational wealth that you'll be able to start passing on to people. But if you've given away all of your original early pieces, you can't pass that value on to people that you really care about. It just has to go to collectors, which is great, of course, on its own. But I just thought that was a really cool topic. Yeah, I love that. I actually never, I don't know if you if you ever mentioned this to me, you might have, but I think I never really grasped the the idea of it but i love this um yeah this topic of scarcity kind of related over time and and how and i wonder if yeah if 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 anyone you know is doing that that they're minting pieces now that they might not put up for sale and just have them on on you know somewhere and maybe in a few years they're going to be like so it's time to release this this is an nft one from 2021 or 2022, I think that's that's a great point. Um, but yeah, I, I think you you um, you talked about this in depth, and I yeah, it was really nice um, 
sorry, my brain is a little bit foggy today. But uh, no, it was really interesting to to hear your point on on all these things. And um, I was just wondering if you if we should bring up anyone if anyone wants to add to this uh, conversation as well, or if you have anything else to add, Cal. No, no, I would love to hear if anyone has any thoughts about what we talked about. If if you tried any of these techniques, um, if you did something or didn't do something when you were releasing your collection that you would like someone else to know so that they can learn from your mistakes or inaction. Um, just, yeah, if, if there's any any value that you think you could share about NFTs and releasing them in any way for someone new to this, we are recording this space and we're going to put it up as a podcast uh, with the goal to try and help people that are entering this space kind of understand what goes into an NFT drop. I think a lot of people in Web2 media think that NFTs are just uh, like... <laughs> overvalued and overpriced, but they don't necessarily appreciate the the depth of work that goes into them. So that that was kind of what we were hoping to to do with this space. Uh, GM, uh, I do, do you mind pronouncing your name? Because I was going to try, but I'm really worried about just butchering it. It's uh, Guillaume. Hi. Hi, Carol. Guillaume, hi. And Julia, how are you doing? Thanks for, for having me up. Uh, super nice, like interesting conversation. Like I can relate to it so much because, uh, like, uh, like I've been in the space for maybe a year now. I think I, I like started to be pretty like kind of active uh, last November and, uh, I kind of waited as well a lot trying to like, kind of like, uh, make connections with people and so on before really like trying to release like anything, uh, on the blockchain and, uh, like, uh. I'm not as well, like the most active person I would say on social media. So that's why, like, even after one year, like, uh, I don't really build up that huge, like follower base, but I can, I have like, uh, a nice amount of like people that I can call like close friends, uh, that I interact a lot with. And, uh, uh, I release like a collection. So on foundation, like I really wanted to do something, uh, that's, uh, you know, that looks like me and that, uh, um and that is unique and uh yeah i cannot wait a lot about uh having like the manifold contract like you said like for me it was important that uh i am in full control of um uh, what i will use of my art basically because i i was actually uh invited by uh one german friend on foundation like in uh, january actually and uh yeah, it was like basically a month or two months uh before they opened the uh they opened completely the platform so uh I kind of didn't even like mint anything at that time, but I actually mint one piece, which is a, like a very significant piece for me that I, uh, basically didn't even put on sale actually, or like I put it at a very like extremely high price, uh, which was like seven ETH, I think, because it was like, it is extremely like uh, meaningful for me. And, uh, there's a deep story behind it. Uh, and then like. My whole collection, like, uh, but Julia just like, uh, like pinned it on top. It's, uh, like something that I released like, um, in September. And, uh, it's a lot about my, that kind of like my, the, how, how to say it, like, um, a bit the journey that I had, like, uh, when I started photographing basically and, uh, like living in those like pretty crazy, like, uh, landscape because I'm a, like a mountain guide and I've been guiding in Iceland for the past six, seven years now. And, uh, yeah, like 
those landscapes basically like forge a bit my passion for photography and uh, I really wanted to to share those places and to share like a, um, like not just like the like a visual aspect but more like a educational aspect as well about glaciers you know like to show people like a bit like places that they're not familiar with and like uh, telling them stories that are related to those places and uh, like uh, about that like collection when I release it I would say that one of my biggest regrets it's that uh, I made so I made a drop party and I forgot to like record it so uh, like because I thought like oh yeah like nobody's gonna come and like just gonna be like few people and it ended up like being like a very nice space with like I think more than 30 or 40 people like, attend and uh, it lasted two hours and at the end I was like god damn it like I completely forgot to, to, to record it and like now I'm I'm like pretty bummed out and uh, yeah like you said as well for me like I don't release my work to I'm not depending on the cell like I have a job on the side for me it's really like just passion work and like it's uh yeah, like side hobby, I would say. And uh, like, I still haven't got any sell, you know, from it. And I'm not even going on shelf space. I'm trying to like my work to people. I just really hope, like, I, I would like some, like uh, people to really connect with the work and like uh, want to like, uh, want to collect it, you know. And, uh, but it's still like hard. Like, I don't really, like, I feel uncomfortable, like going to collectors and like asking them, you know, like, oh yeah, like, can you share my work on Twitter or can you look at it? Or I don't really know, like, like I feel a bit uncomfortable with the process of going forward to collectors. So, uh, yeah, like that's uh, a little bit like my experience about it, like launching NFTs. But after so far, like it's just fun, like connecting with people and just sharing like experiences and uh, like passion because we're all like very passionate people here. Like we have just beautiful work and I think, uh, at the end of the day, that's what matters, you know, to build like meaningful connections between each other. Yeah, that that was awesome. Thanks for sharing. I I really resonate a lot with how you phrased that, and in terms of how you released it, and also haven't necessarily been chilling it. Like that, that's kind of how I feel with mine too. Um, from your collection, though, I think the educational aspect that's really cool that you have the the glaciers and how they're melting. So they kind of are super rare because they're not going to be there in not that distant future so you're kind of creating a historical record of what's going on in the mountains and that actually really reminds me of uh, when I was visiting Julia and the Dolomites I went to a place nearby in the mountain it's called the Mountaineering Museum and they were talking about how as photography developed uh, because people wanted to take their cameras up into the mountains to prove that they had climbed these mountains and like take photos from the top they ended up kind of inadvertently creating a scientific record of the melting of glaciers and the melting of the mountains and how the mountains had changed over time. So photographers can kind of be like scientists in a way, keeping a record of how the world is changing. So that's really cool that you've captured this and been able to mint it to the blockchain. I, I love that idea. Um, in terms of the the how do you kind of get it in front of collectors? So there's this concept, it's called a, a double S curve that I read in a book recently. And the idea is that when you launch something, there's like an initial upfront cost of effort that goes into the launch of the thing. And that as that builds over time, like you've used up those resources, you've invested, then you start seeing the reward, which is when it gets like shown to people and kind of gets uh, promoted. And then after a little bit of time, that starts to dip off again and you've kind of like lost the attention of the community. 
So one of the best ways to bring the attention back to the original collection is actually to, I think, release another one. And then when you're releasing the new collection, you can be like, oh, by the way, if you're interested in some of my other work or my older work, here it is. It's also available. So I, I personally, like that's how I'm planning on promoting my next collection um, and my piece that hasn't sold yet. I'm going to try and use the new one to bring attention back to the old one in a way that feels kind of authentic. But yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, Julia, if you have any thoughts. Um, yeah, I, I remember I attended your, your drop party and that was a really, really nice space. I think that was kind of like one of the first few times that I really got to know you better. So that was a, a really, I remember it was really, really nice. And um, yeah, I think that's a, a great point, Carl, about what you said about releasing another um, collection or edition or whatever to kind of keep, bring back the the momentum. So that's a, a great point. And um, yeah, let's go to Ole. How's it going? Hey, I'm currently uh, snowing in at the moment. So hopefully I'll uh, be able to go on the cabin trip that I was planned this weekend. But uh, great space, as always. And I think to go back to Callum's question, I think there's so many things that I would do differently if I, with the, the, with the edge that I have now, because my collection was minted. I believe October of last year, and I've learned so much. And even the uh, like the whole manifold side of uh, the contracts and everything has developed so much. So some things I could have done differently, and some things weren't available at the time. And I think the number one mistake that I made, or two mistakes actually, it's twofold. So uh, the first one would be numbering uh, the pieces of the collection. Uh, and the reason why I regret doing that is because it's basically a nightmare if you want to switch out the or you want to take away a piece from the collection. Then you have all of the numbers except one, and the one I wanted to replace was in the middle of it. So, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't work out now. But uh, I'll live with it, and I'm still really proud of the collection, and almost half of it is sold out already, so I'm super stoked at Um But yeah, the contract side of things, the numbering of the uh, the pieces... And um, there was one more thing that I had in mind that I can't remember now. Um, also, like including a little bit more uh, info on the pieces, like for example, tags and stuff like that. I didn't do that and some of them sold already and I wasn't able to do that. Um, so that would be another thing. And let me see, just give me one second here. Um, I'm gonna try to remember. I'm looking at the collection as we speak actually just to see. Yes, yes, the last thing. The last thing was that I fucked up the royalties. So I sold basically four pieces of the collection and the creator fee was 0% on OpenSea. And I didn't notice. So that kind of stung as well. But it is what it is. You live and you learn. Um, but yeah, that's probably the things that I would do differently. Yeah, thank you for sharing that all. I think, um, as I already said earlier, it's, it's always... Um, you know, you're kind of making mistakes for the for the people that are going to come after you. So in a way, um, you know, you can I don't know exactly what the what the right term is for that. But I I think, yeah, I think you could you can be I, I think it's great that you're you're sharing this with, with all of us and um, just having other people learn from your mistakes without having to go through that. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that there's a few things that you would like to change. But, you know, there's there's going to be other possibilities for you. And um and yeah, it's, it's great to have you here. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and something that was kind of like a cool little detail that I could share as well would be 
I didn't include too much of a description of my photos. Uh, and some collectors might be like put off by that. But the people that really resonated with the images that, that they picked up, uh, they really just loved them uh, because of the feeling that they got from watching it. And then I shared the stories with each and every one of the collectors, like on private voice messages. And they said that most of them said that this was like a really cool uh, thing that most of the other um, art artists that they collected from had, hadn't done before. Uh, so that could be like a tidbit of information as well for someone. If they sell a piece, the collectors are interested in the story. And if it's not included necessarily in the NFT, they would love to hear it. So that could be another like kind of cool <laughs> twist to kind of uh, something that someone might look at as a mistake. Um, but yeah, so that that's pretty much all I wanted to share. And thanks for, for having me as always. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming up and sharing. I think, yeah, like Julia was saying, it's these little these little tidbits of advice that really help the next generation of people coming into this space or even things that you're saying now I'm thinking about for my next collection. So I appreciate both of you sharing so much of your insight. And I guess in terms of the the metadata aspect, like Dale's in the description, for those of you that don't know, this is possible to change later on Manifold, even if you've already minted it. And I believe if, even if you've already sold it, but I would be careful about that. Uh, just if somebody collected it, that you might want to check with them before changing anything um, to make sure they're okay with it because they do technically own it at that point. Um, and yeah, in terms of the the sharing of the story, I completely agree. I think that's such a valuable aspect to add. And I think to something I've been thinking about, like my, my first collection, uh, Julia pinned it up at the top earlier. <laughs> the descriptions are really long. Like I, I basically wrote like a short story for each of the pieces. And that's something that is very difficult to convey to people right away. And like we were talking about earlier, people have pretty short attention spans. So it can be hard to grab their attention and then have them read something that's quite long. So I actually don't know if it's like a bad idea per se to have shorter descriptions. Um, but I think then what is really helpful is like you're describing, add that extra level of the story to, it doesn't even have to be to collectors. It could be in spaces. It could be a voice recording that you share and to your uh, pin tweet. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be once someone's already collected it to add that depth of the story to it. But if you keep in mind that adding that story really rounds out your collection and is going to add that much extra value to the visual of it, then I would suggest to anyone to try and think, how can I tell my story? How can I tell it in a creative way that's going to get in front of people that maybe they even hear the story first and then go look at the piece and then they have that extra level of appreciation for the artwork itself. So I, I think that what you did, Ole, Ola. Is, is that how you pronounce your name? I remember you were giving us lessons the other day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're good, bro. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like you were, you were sharing it in, uh, in DMs. But I think if people are comfortable doing it, you can share those things publicly too. And if you are sharing it publicly, think about how you can organize those shared stories into a way that you, over time, even if it's just through like minute-long voice notes or something, you can create a little resource that if someone's looking for more details, you can be like, oh, hey, here, I have this Twitter thread that I actually wrote on this if you're looking for more details. And then you can just send it to them. Um, and of course, having like actual conversations with collectors is awesome too. But uh, depending on your job, depending on how you're working, it, it might be a lot of work. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, some, something that I've kind of like toyed with the idea of um, adding as like another layer to it would be you can, you can create a, a YouTube video as well where you go through some of the images and you tell like more in a storytelling kind of way and just keep the video unlisted if you don't want it to be like public for er everyone but if you go to the pin tweet of the project you can see the link to the videos below where you're talking more 
personal impact, like about the, the pieces. That's something that I've been thinking about. And I think of Byron, uh, a wildlife photographer from South America that started uh, putting videos underneath the pieces that he posted to Twitter. And I always enjoy like the the more personal connection to the artist and them kind of telling how they got the shot and what they felt in the moment. It just adds, like you said, Callum, a little bit of a, like extra personality or a connection to the piece that you might not get from just seeing it on your on your Twitter feed. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's funny you say that because I actually made a YouTube video for my drop. And then with all of the compression issues and everything that I was having, I didn't have time to finish the video before I wanted to drop it. So I never ended up putting it on YouTube. But I'm definitely planning on doing that. Um, and for me, part of the reason is because the way that I stirred my original collection, like my Genesis, and put on foundation, it is intended to be like the foundation of concepts and stories that I'm planning on sharing with future collections. So even though I've already sold a couple pieces, to me, it's about having people watch and understand the story because that's going to add context to many other things that I end up releasing in the future. So I would say, actually, even if uh, you've already released it, even if you've already sold some things, if you as a creator, as an artist would enjoy creating a video that kind of explains your story a little bit more, like that could be a, a fun process on its own. Even if no one ever ends up watching it, it it's kind of part of that like self-reflective journey of helping you share your story in some way. And maybe like I, I have that video, it's still sitting there. So I'll, I'm up, I'm planning on uploading it to YouTube at some point once I have time to finish it. And it would just be something for me. Um, and as another example of someone that includes a story, I believe Jay, uh, Jarvis Jay, when he released his Crowns collection, there's actually a pretty solid explanation of the story and what went into it and why he made it. He did a really good job organizing that if you're looking for an example. And he actually, I think, put together a YouTube video that's like a promo reel for it too. And I thought the video was really well done. So I recommend checking it out. I can pin it here in a sec. Yeah, I think uh, another thing um, that would be great when like to share a story about a piece is simply when you're posting a, a GM post, for example, you just post one of the photos from your collection and then you just add the story just underneath, uh, like as a, as a threat in like written uh, written form sorry i talked today i don't know what's going on in written form um but yeah i also love this idea of the video i think it adds so much of that personal connect connection when you just hear and see someone talk about it and you know it doesn't have to be like a super professional video because um you know twitter compresses it anyway so um so yeah i think that's a great way and also with the youtube video um so yeah great points Yeah, and I think kind of the, the moral of the story here is that when you're launching an NFC collection, I think it's really helpful to think of it as a launch. Like it, it is something that you're putting out there that you want to build. And if people have anticipation for, it's more likely to sell too. So the more you can think upfront of how am I going to share these things, I think the better the, or the initial drop is going to go. But at the same time, it's not as though if you've forgotten to do something that it's impossible to move forward from that moment. You can always continue using it as uh, an aspect of your portfolio that you are sharing and an aspect of your story that you've decided to mint to the blockchain. And you can always talk about why you minted that to the blockchain. What was the behind the scenes that went into the shot, that went into the journey, that went into the message that you're trying to convey? Like, How have you changed as a person? How have you developed your creativity through the development of this project? And learning about NFTs and Web3. So even if uh, there is something that you feel was a mistake early on, 
that's not to say that you can't uh, fix it down the road or add some value in a different way. So I, I really want to emphasize that there's no, I know people say this all the time, so it gets almost like cliche, but there is no right way to release an NFT collection. Um, there, it's really up to you as an artist to figure out how you want to convey your story. And I think that's what's so cool about seeing all of these different artists come together and share their stories and their art in ways that speak to them. And I have learned so much. Like I can't even like overstate how much I've learned about art and the creative process and the creative community. There's just so many cool people to learn from. And that's, that's one of the most exciting parts, I think. And yeah, if anyone wants to come up, feel free. Otherwise, we will close the space shortly. I don't know if anyone has any other questions or comments, or if anyone has concerns or fusion with Manifold, please feel free to DM me too. I'm happy to help out. Um, as another note, I had someone asking me about splits the other day, so I'm hoping to look into that in the near future, where you can have like a separate contract that will split um, the proceeds of the original primary sale. On Manifold, you can do that through royalties, but you can't do it on primary. Um, that's done through the marketplace or through a third-party platform. So I guess on that note, I think that there are going to be some really exciting developments in collaborations between artists in the future. And that's something I'm really looking forward to as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, if, if no one has any anything else to add, I think it was a really, really interesting conversation. And I think... It put it also put a lot of things in perspective for me and just hearing um you guys talk about it and yeah, just sharing my experience. I think it's always like whenever you share something, you are more conscious about the things that you're making uh or that you've done. And so yeah, it's so great that we're we're having this discussion and um I'm looking forward to to the next spaces and the different topics that we're gonna talk about because I feel like I'm learning so much in the process of just talking and hearing. Um other people talk about it and that's why i'm so so grateful to be here and um yeah that's all yeah thanks for joining everyone uh, julia like you said providing text and i think that really sums up what we're trying to do here with the bigger picture like i uh it's it's a phrase that i know we came up with the title for all different reasons but there is so much going on with web3 across the board and across the world and so many things that come into play when we're dealing with art so if there's any way that we can help artists see the bigger picture i think that we can add a lot of value to this space and to each other but yeah thank you so much for joining everyone we will be back uh, i believe next week we're going to send out uh, a message when we when we figure it out and uh, yeah we look forward to seeing you again thanks for joining thank you carl for hosting with me and um yeah thank you to everyone who joined and i'll watch you soon have a good day everyone Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Thanks.